Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, hey, Christina. Hey. Hey. Ready to record another great episode? Yes, I am. I'm so excited about our friend uh, that's coming on today. You know, she's a lot of fun and she wears cool glasses. Yeah, yeah she wears cool glasses like us. <laughs> you know, one of the things we love about doing this show is making new friends and getting to know new people. And when we met yeah. this chick, we just, we did, we always do what we call a pre-show and that's where we kind of interview people a little bit to see if they're fit for the show and what the chemistry is like. And we're immediately like, she spoke about two sentences. We're like, she's in, we love her. She's our new bestie, all the things. And so we're so excited to have her on today. Her name is Jen Vertinen and it's probably a good thing that I learned to say her name before we recorded with her because it's a toughie. But she does this really unique thing of helping women go from a just kind of a ho-hum existence with their midlife to hell yeah, living it to its fullest. And Christina, I think there's a lot of midlife women that are, that they've just resigned themselves to their life being okay. Yeah. I I would agree. Don't you think? I would agree. And and yet I think that we're on to something here, Gail. I think that we're on to something with changing the conversation about midlife. And it's so funny. I ran into a friend over the weekend and I I really have to share this with you because she was saying, I didn't know you started a podcast. I said, yeah, go ahead and, you know, look it up, give it a, give it a listen. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is so amazing because nobody ever told me about all these things that can happen in midlife. And I thought, oh my gosh, we are starting this amazing conversation. And so to have Jen here today to talk to our community about, you know, what does it mean to just let it go and and be you and and give it your all in the second half of your life. I just absolutely love it. So Gail, let's let's get it let's get it started. Yeah, so sorry the UPS guy came and that's <laughs> Rangers. You know, Ranger has to make an appearance every episode. He was early today. Yeah, that's <laughs> so much. Don't you love hearing that? Because it's mm-hmm. such at the heart of what we wanted to do when that's we right. started this. So we want to welcome our guest Jen Burton and hi Jen. Hey Jen. Hello, so happy to be here. And Jen, tell them the name of your business <clears throat> that you do your coaching through. Well, I jokingly say socially awkward since 1970, because I just bring the charming awkward, but it is just under my name, Jen Vertinen. So if you type in Jen Vertinen anywhere, you're going to find me on Instagram, Facebook, V-E-R-T-A-N-E-N. Um, And Jen, at what point did you realize in your own life that maybe you were just being okay? What happened? <laughs> Yeah, I remember it uh, very clearly. It was seven years ago now. I was 45 and I had spent decades of just 
feeling lonely, feeling very disconnected, feeling like a zombie going through the motions. And I knew that I had this vibrant side in me, but I didn't know how to bring it out. And the kicker is no one would have looked at me and seen someone who suffered from loneliness because I smile a lot. I laugh very easily and naturally. I'm funny. So no one would have known, which kind of had me feeling a bit like a fraud, right? Like wh- when, who's going to figure me out and, and when? It's it's a matter of when. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but but my turning point was 45 and I'm now 52. You know, that's an interesting, uh, you know, take on that. We talk a lot about imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. but this is imposter syndrome kind of in a different sort of way when you're living as someone who's not truly yourself and it has nothing to do with accolades or anything. You were accomplished in your job, all those Mm -hmm. things. And, you know, but something was missing and you had settled into almost a character you were portraying. And I think a lot of us, you know, we do settle into matching up our, you know, our responsibilities and our labels with who we think we are, like mom, wife, if you're an engineer, if you're a teacher, and there's no label like that that completely describes who we are. Mm-hmm. But we almost mold ourselves to fit in what we think those labels should look like. You know, you should act a certain way as a mom. You should be a certain way as a wife. You should be a certain way as a 40-year-old, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and let me ask you this, Jen, you know, w- with piggybacking on what Gail said, you know, having all these labels and not feeling like one of those particularly fit, is that what kind of started that that loneliness? Because I mm. I think it's really interesting that maybe not interesting. I find it fascinating because I I operate the same way. I'll have a smile on my face and you won't even know. Yeah, that, don't we women do that? Though? Yeah, we've been that's taught what we that do. since that's we what were we little do. girls. That's right. You be Absolutely. happy. We, you we smile, do it to make others sweetie. feel comfortable mm-hmm. in our presence, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. were taught that. You know that we needed to be that way, no matter how tired, how exhausted. Uh, The other part of that, before you answer, I want to just dig in here because this is going to be a multifaceted question, but I know you can take it is so many middle life women are hiding their loneliness. Because when Mm -hmm. I get with my friends and they can look incredibly busy, they can look like they're surrounded by lots of people. They're incredibly successful. They're well-liked. And then when you have these deep, deep conversations, they will, describe to you this loneliness they feel. And it can be a disconnection from their husband, their friends, their family, or just not feeling like people really understand them. So what was that like for you? And what are you finding to be the case across the board with other women? Yeah, so my loneliness, going back to Christina's question, my loneliness really came from a somewhat traumatic and abusive childhood where the message I got was I was not worth saving. The adults in my life knew what was going on and no one stepped in to, you know, quote unquote, save me. And the the message I took away from that was I wasn't worthy. Mm. Right. And so Mm. all my life up until age 45, I was battling this story that I wasn't worthy. And if you can imagine how that bleeds into absolutely every impact of your life, your career, your marriage, how you mother, how you, how you be a friend, I didn't feel worthy of friendships. And so the, the suit of armor I put on was very prickly and I held everyone at arm's length. I had a lot of acquaintances, like people liked me, 
but I never let anyone cross over except for my husband. He was able to to break the barrier, right? So but you're that's basically how saying show- it's somewhat of a self-induced in- isolation Absolutely. at times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it yep. really, you really hit something to me when you said worth, because I do, I'm 55 now. What year are we? You're going to be 55. (laughs) You're going to be 56, babe. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. This (laughs) is approaching quickly. But I spent a lot of my life feeling like I was not good enough. Mm -hmm. And the not good enough rolled into not good enough to be loved. Mm. Yeah. Um, Even by, I'm just going to say it, parents. I felt Mm -hmm. like my love for my parents was somewhat conditional. And I know that sounds like a very, hard, right, ugly thing to say. But very early in my life, we were were rewarded for accomplishment. So I quickly learned that was the currency. That's when my parents were happiest with me, when they talked about me, when they bragged on me. They never bragged on me, the person. They never said, Gail is such a sweet person, or she's such an honest friend, or she's like a good mom. It was always on accomplishment. So that became the currency. Get do the accomplishment, people like you. Do the accomplishment, yeah. people like you. And what I've even found <clears throat> in midlife is that people do like the doers. They like the girl that gets the shit done. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you back off getting shit done for one second, or you disappoint somebody in the way you do something, and boy, they will retract their affection for you sometimes so quickly it'll make your head spin. Did did you see that as well, Jen? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you you said everything I would say. Mm. And that's made me gun shy about people and Mm -hmm. feeling like my value is what I can give someone or do for people, even sometimes Mm. with my children. Because you know how your kids are, as soon as you don't give them what they want, they're like, well, you're the worst mother on the planet. (laughs) So I've been... You know, and my first husband was, there was a lot of transactional affection. You know, he would show me affection if I did this or that. And so it's been It's a learned taught. behavior. A learned behavior. It's been it absolutely taught. is. It's been learned. And it's been, what is that? When, when people just really compound it and make it truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's a compounding yeah. interest effect. Absolutely. Well, so well, and what happens is our brains collect evidence to support the stories that we have going back to childhood, right? So you had the story of you maybe weren't lovable without your accomplishments. I had the story that I wasn't worth saving. And so I, my brain just naturally looked for a lot. And there was a lot of evidence, I got to tell you. There was a lot of evidence that I, that I you know, was worthy, but my brain wasn't looking for that at the time. Yeah. You know, well, Jen's, and I wonder if Christina feels this way too, because Christina and I've had a lot of deep conversations <laughs> and sometimes I know I'm respectable. I know I'm honorable. I know I'm dependable. I know people are, but am I lovable? <laughs> I haven't had a lot of people around me who just felt like I, my persona was lovable mm-hmm. because it always seems the minute I disappoint someone or don't give them not even what I think is right, what they think is right and what they think I should do and how they think I should do it. Or even if I'm still giving, but they don't have that need or desire, or they're not in that sector of my life anymore. That all changes. Christina, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you feel that? Like, 
I do. And there's a, there's a lot to be said. And I'm sure, Jen, Jen, you have a lot to say on this as well. But here's here's what I've recognized in <laughs> going through my intense therapy is that uh, we all have our truth. And I know that's really controversial when people say there's only the truth, which I agree with that. But we all have versions of what is truth to us. And once we start to dissect that, like you said, Jen, you know, our brains are collecting evidence and it's constantly feeding that. It is reaffirming all of these things. And then we have to take it a step further and and deconstruct all of those things that we learned in order to show up really healthy. And I I, I think that in our world today, we have a lot of three culture. And so it's very performance-based. It's you're a label. You know, it's not really who is this person at the core. You know, we don't take time anymore to really understand and get to know somebody. Gail, I will tell you, I love you, my friend. You are an amazing badass woman. I absolutely adore you. I tell everybody about you. Um and and it's because except when we're in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> except, except when we're not, well, we, I mean, all friends have, have disagreements, you know, I mean, that's a part of being in a relationship with somebody and you don't leave a relationship. To me, it's just how because, you handle that too. Right. Yeah. How do you handle that disagreement or that yeah. right. time you have to exactly. have? Exactly. Jen's probably thinking, yeah. are we going to let her talk? Today? I know. Jen, you're just, no, 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 hot buttons, girl. Yeah. So <laughs> you're I, on I'm our just, hot button. So observing and so, so I would say this, I would say it's, it's hard because people don't get to know people anymore. I would say you're lovable. I would say I'm lovable. I would say Jen's lovable. It's a matter of do people want to engage with you to know that you're lovable? Right? I think it goes back to this concept that hurt people hurt people. Mm. We are all each one of us, we have not escaped life without some form of trauma, whether it's a big T, a little T, what have you. That's right. With, you know, we haven't. And so we're all walking around kind of wounded and so many people haven't dealt with their stuff, right? Like I think the three of us have, we've done a lot of work to deal with our stuff. A lot of people haven't, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's scary to get vulnerable. It's scary to let your heart you know, to show your heart so that you can possibly open it up to hurt. Mm. Like we're not taught emotional wellness. No, we have to kind of stumble and fumble our way through it to get to the other side. And it's sometimes really painful. <laughs> it is. And you know, you know, what's so crazy, Jen, I have to say this about about our friend here, Gail, is that <laughs> is that she is really good. She's really good. This is something that I have watched over this last year with her. And it impresses me a whole lot is that there's a saying out there that trust is given and distrust is earned. And I've never met somebody that could really operate in that fashion. Mm. And I will tell you, Gail operates in that fashion. She will just open it up. Here you go. Here's all, here's, here it all is. But as soon as there's a little, she's like, and I just find that so amazing because I'm the person that's like, mm, I don't trust you at all. We are definitely the opposite on this. But, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know that that's good. I don't know that that's serving me well. I maybe need to get a little more Jenny from the hood up front. I know. What I, do you think, Jen? Do you think that's brilliant? Because I think it's brilliant. But friends with Christine is, is like, you know, like getting in a gang, you got to shank somebody first, you know, prove your loyalty. Then she'll spill her guts. But, you know, here's well, the I'm, thing, Jen. Something flipped in you. And Mm -hmm. you recognize this. So I'm wondering a few things. The women you coach and work with, what percentage of those women come to you feeling stuck? Yeah. How many of them deal with this feeling of worth, being unloved, loneliness? I'd like to kind of break that down. Like what you see in the common. Yeah. Yeah. to answer your question, 100% of my clients come to me for this. What they often say on that first call, though, is I want to get out of my own way. And if Mm -hmm. we unpack that a bit, right? Sure, there's things outside of their control that might be getting in their way, whether it's, you know, culture, their economic status, what have you. But more often than not, it's because they are feeling a lack of worth, a lack of deserving. And that underlying question, like, am I, am I a lovable, worthy person? Mm. Right? Mm. So that's what we spend the time unpacking, and just laying the cards out on the table and, and saying, okay, within the context of your life, how do we put these cards back together? How do we put the puzzle back together in a way that just feels really good and authentically you? I love that. And I want to spend some time here because here's what I think. Now, y'all know I'm not a licensed professional, but I do. <laughs> but I did stay at a Marriott this weekend. Um, oh, no, really? I do think a lot and I observe a lot. And I, we have big traumas and little traumas. And I, I, when I say this, I don't want to minimize anybody's trauma or anyone's experience. What I do want to say is it matters more what you do from here on out than how you got here. Now, I, with that said, I think we have to address a lot of times how you got here to go forward. And if you need that girl, trauma, coaches, gin, therapy, we've, we've got resources. So if that's your problem and you don't know where to go, please reach out. And we've got a lot of people in our midlife Moxie community. We'd love to hook you up with, or talk to you about how you find someone in your local community. But what really matters is what you're going to do about it. And this is the message I want women listening to this show to hear today. What matters most are the next steps that you take, because we've said it before in midlife. We're, we're running out of time, y'all. I mean, anyway, yeah, say it over and over again. I need to have another start. Anyway, you do the math, we're halfway done. I mean, at 55, <laughs> I am not living to 110. Now, I had a grandmother, a great grandmother go to 101, but still, I'm in the second. I mean, you know, it's so I really want to urge women to make decisive decisions in midlife. And I think that's part of what's so important about the work we do here is that it's now or never kind of now. That's not to say you can't have a pivotal moment at 93. That's not what I'm saying. But you have less life left than you've already lived. And so we want to really urge you to make the most of that and make the changes. And that's why we're going to have provocative conversations and things that urge you. Now, Jen, I know you came to a pivotal moment. Do you want to share about that with your husband? Yeah. Uh, So 
I'm it's 2015. I'm 45 years old and I'm I've tried everything to quote unquote fix my life except for leaving my husband. So that was what that's the decision I made. And if you know me in real life, I make big decisions, I take bold action, like that's just that's my persona, right? I take pride in this. So I had made this big decision to walk away from my marriage. All the while I'm telling my girlfriends, I love him, but maybe when we're 75 years old, we can remarry and spend the rest of our twilight years together. I had all these excuses. The day we told our daughter, she would have been, so that was seven years ago. She it would have been, she would have been 10. The day we told her our daughter, it was the worst day of my life. Mm. That night I couldn't sleep. Over and over and over again. I, my heart kept saying, you actually don't want this. You haven't done everything to save this marriage. This is your person. He's only ever had your back. So I waited till he woke up the next morning because we were still sleeping in the same bed, even though we were separated. It was a very loving separation. <laughs> but I said to him, I'm making a huge mistake. And he's like, I know. I was just waiting for you you know, to kind of get there, which I was like, well, screw you. But <laughs> who are you? But I no, love this so, guy. Yeah, he's he's amazing. But again, he was like the one person that I could always count on who always had my back. And I was willing to throw that away. And I realized in that moment, me walking away from that support, my only support in the world, and, and that sounds dramatic. It, it was that he was my only support. Um, I was going to be left completely alone, no support, and my life was actually going to be worse. But so, you know, I relate to this. So I want to ask you this. I know I'm interrupting yeah. you, so I'm sorry. But- That's all right. There are moments that I've had in my life that I just was so unhappy or miserable or upset about something that it wasn't necessarily like you wanted a divorce or you wanted this or you wanted that, but you felt this urge to do something drastic. Is that yeah. is that what you were experiencing? Because I've I've had those moments. My persona is just, well, I'm just <laughs> gonna blow yeah. this crap up. You know, I'm gonna do something dramatic. Yeah, I think in hindsight, that's what I was needing. Um, But at that moment, he was kind of the effigy for all that was wrong in my world. Mm. Uh, Mm. Unfairly so, right? But that's what... Don't we do that sometimes, though? Because it would not be safe for us to go to the places sometimes that were really causing Mm -hmm. part of the problem. And so sometimes those places of safety, that home base... Yeah, winds up being the brunt of our frustration. But I know there have been moments that I'm like, something has to change. So I have to do something incredibly drastic. But what I was thinking I should do really had nothing. It just was this Mm -hmm. terrible, almost primal urge that you needed to do something. Something. Well, let me ask. Let me me ask you really quick, Jen. Do you have men that you work with as well? And do they, do they kind of go through this same, you know, situation as women? And, <laughs> and if they do, to what degree? Or is it just like women are the ones who suffer with this the most? Or maybe we're the ones yeah. who want to fix it the most because we're just those, you know, people. I don't know. That's what we do. Yeah, we, we fix. fix we right? fix. So, you know, I specifically do not work with men. Um I, I love men. I just, I, I don't want to deal with their issues. There's better people out there for me. But, but I've had men that I work with 
that will come to me and say, oh, I wish you worked with men. And I'm like, thank you, but, you know, I'm sorry I don't. Let me refer you out. And then they'll be like, oh, well, I think my wife needs to work with you. (laughs) Okay, send her over. So, you know, Jen, I also think, I I wonder if you found this to be true, that there's certain personalities that are more okay with just okay than others. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm never going to be okay with just okay. It's got to be... Like, I really like change. I thrive on change. I thrive on better. There can always be improvement. Have you found that there's a certain type of woman that often seeks out your help? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I know Christina and I are both seven. Yes. So we like to have fun and new experiences and what have you. Um, but and most have the, the come person to me. gets yeah. in the way of their fun. Now you want to get I, a divorce quickly. You tell a seven, the fun machine shut down. My daughter and I were oil and water Friday night because her plans all of a sudden were impacting my plans. I was like, no, <laughs> I, I plan this. We're not doing this. Anyway, so with you, girl. Typically, it's women <clears throat> who have come, who are in a corporate setting or come from a corporate background because that's my background. Mm-hmm. Um, it's women who are big action takers. They're go getters. They're the strong, independent one. They're the ones that people look up to as kind of having their mm-hmm. stuff all together, right? And they do, but inside they're also like, and I have it all together and I'm feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled, kind of bored, wondering, is this really all there is? Because screw that. Um, and I wanna I wanna call out like there's a whole generation of women, especially Gen Xers, which I, I think all of us, all three of us are. Mm-hmm. Like we were yeah, the first to be raised on this concept that we could have it all, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, because we, you know, there was that generation of women who really first went into the workforce. You know, you had those, you Mm -hmm. start to see that one in the 70s and 80s. And then by the 90s, we were being raised to to plan to go in the workforce Mm -hmm. and have children and a solid marriage and run the PTA and the Cub Scouts and the swim team and the neighborhood association and plant plants and bake bread. Well, you know what, Gail, we're, we're taking on more labels like way back when, right? We weren't taking on all these labels. We had more of a simplistic, you know, vibe. Now we're over here and we've got all of this freaking labels every time, but all of it. And I, I mean, it's, it doesn't surprise me that women feel this way. Mm-hmm. because we're the ones that take on the majority of the stuff. Yeah. So, and again, I go back to what I said in the beginning, like we're not taught emotional wellness. We're not taught to take care of our own needs. Often we don't have it modeled for us. So we don't even know that we're, we're maybe harming ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and until like you, you see said, women like us who are out there taking care of our needs and having these wonderful, full, full lives, that's like, oh, wait a second, maybe I can have that too. Mm-hmm. And we're the generation before everyone got therapy. So we're mm-hmm. kind of the yeah. effed up generation, if you will. Absolutely. You know, do it all, be it all. But therapy yep. wasn't quite as accepted. I mean, it is now that we're in our 50s and we're trying to go back, you know, yep. whereas our kids have been in therapy since they could speak, you know, the first sign of anything wrong, we're like, take Johnny to therapy, get it, get it. We want, we don't want him to go through what we've gone through because we felt that and we felt the pressure. And then I think our it's impacted what kind of parents we've been. And yeah, our children, they're getting all the therapy though. 
Hey, Christina, it's Gail. I've got a question I've got to ask you. All right, what's up? How's your mojo? Oh, my mojo's not that great lately. You know, this menopause thing can really cause a hit on our mojo, don't you think? Yes, totally. Between the hot flushes, the wrinkles, the hair loss. If there were only some products that were especially meant for us as menopause women, that'd be amazing, don't you think? Yes, it would be awesome. Well, guess what? I just heard about some new products. I received them from Mojo Wellbeing, and they are amazing. They have serums for that wrinkly skin. They have a hot flash cooling spray, and they even have a brand new hair growth serum. Because I didn't even know that hair loss was a part of menopause. Oh my gosh. And so I'm super excited to hear that there's companies doing something about this and that they're hearing our needs. You know, we talk about that a lot here on Midlife Moxie. So guys, go over to mojowellbeing.com. That's mojo, M-O-J-O, wellbeing.com. And use the code MOXIE15 to save on any of these great products designed especially for menopause age women. Hey friends, it's the Sassy Massey here with Midlife Moxie, and I have a special for you, the Buff Muff app. Have you ever wondered like how to get that tight vagina or, you know, what's going on with my vagina or why is it dripping? Well, Kim Vopney, the vagina coach, has an amazing app. It's called the Buff Muff app, and she will tell you the ins and the outs of your vagina. So go on and get it today at your latest and greatest app store. Bye. So go back to this moment where you're Mm -hmm. you're just desperately wanting to change something. And that pain is the word that that comes through for me. And because I have had moments in my life, especially like in my first marriage and my personality gets desperate when I don't feel like there's anything I can do about a situation. When I feel trapped, when there's no way out, that's when I feel my most lonely and upset. Mm. And I imagine that a lot of that comes to fruition for women in midlife as as some of their labels are no longer applicable. We've talked about this before. Your kids are moving on, you're not the PTA president, you're not this, and you're kind of left with this, the skeletal remains of who you are as a person, because some of the labels that you had to live up to for so long are now stripped away from you. So that's, even though we don't want the labels to have them for so long and have them taken away can also be traumatic. Do you find women coming to you who are experiencing that? Absolutely. It's, you know, you reach this juncture in your life, whatever age it is, it often happens in middle age where you like, you have a moment to pause, right? And for many Mm -hmm. of us, our kids are getting older and thinking about leaving the house. And it's this moment to pause and be like, well, who even am I? Like, if I'm not the mom who's doing the PTA and the, the Cub Scouts and all of that, and, you know, I'm the middle manager who isn't happy in her job anymore, and my my spouse is feeling more like a roommate than a lover, like, who am I even more anymore? Yeah. Well, I, I love that you said that you start to question, and these are the things that people, you know, come to you about, and you keep 
you know, talking about emotional wellness. Yeah. And I want to know what does that mean to you? Because you mm. have a definition and, you know, I really want our community to know, like, if this is resonating with you, there is hope, there's a place for you to go and just release and to, to find that, um, as you say, <laughs> I don't give an F kind of life, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so what, what does it mean to you? If I were to distill it down to one sentence or one, one concept, it would be having your own back, choosing, like knowing that you matter too, that you have needs that matter just as much as anyone else's, right? But that you have your own back, you are going to put up for your needs. Doesn't mean you don't do all the other things, but you're putting yourself, you're not last on your to-do list, mm. Right. And, and so for I some think of us, we've this... been last for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, when Absolutely. you're a new wife, you want to put your husband first. Mm-hmm. And then when you have the kids, you, you're yep. told to put them first. And then before you know it, you're last. And then when you raise yep. your head to speak up, somebody tells you you're a bitch or thinks you're being complaining. Yeah, they're not you, used to you doing that. You recall so back to your little true. shell and never ask for anything again. But another yeah. one of the things we say here at Midlife Moxie is use your words. You're not a mm, toddler. Mm-hmm. Use your words. And I think what you're really saying something there, Jen, when you, you've got to find that voice, you've got to seek out mm-hmm. the real you. And we talk a lot about going back to your little girl dreams. For me, yeah. most of you know that I'm married for the first time at 19, had for my first child at 21. I was never a full grown, fully brained functioning adult without being under my parents' roof or in a marriage. So when I got to midlife and we just graduated the last child, I think I'm going to throw myself a party. The diploma just came in the mail. We homeschooled. This is how he got his diploma (laughs) shaped in the envelope. And um, it's official now though. So I can announce that to the world, but it this, you're so right, there comes a pause. And I know for a lot of midlife women, you are still very busy. You may be taking care yes. of parents and things like that, but there is somewhat of like, now that I'm not 100% responsible for the life and breath of a child in my home, um, th- there is some at least mental freedom sometimes to stop and mm-hmm. say, what is next for me? Who am I even? And especially when yeah. you're a homeschool mom. And I told my husband this weekend, I said, we went out of town and said, it's so nice to just be you and I, and we do not mm-hmm. have to consider what a kid wants, what a dog wants. We got up, we rode scooters to breakfast, to brunch downtown in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You can't just make decisions like that sometimes with kids and dogs. And yep. we're entering this new place that just feels so free. And for you to really think Mm, about, I mean, we've even had crazy conversations like moving to a foreign country and, you know, what are we going to do here? But I think so many people never put the fork in the sand and have that conversation. They just kind of rock along in a listless state. Yeah. Can you relate to that? Yes. And I take it back to what you were saying around each of us should feel a personal responsibility to address our stuff, right? whether that's healing from traumas, but we each carry a personal responsibility to do this. And I believe it's our responsibility in the world to be working on our healing. Do that you believe that it eventually comes out? 
What's up? Do you believe that it eventually comes out? Because I feel like all that that's stuffed and all you really want to say and how you want to advocate for yourself, that if it's not done in a healthy way, that one day you're at right. the family Thanksgiving and you're freaking <laughs> slinging a turkey leg at your sister-in-law yeah, or something, yeah. you know, or, or yeah. you know, screaming F you at your husband in a crowded restaurant yeah. or something, because it just yeah. tends to be like a cyst that eventually pops. Yeah. Yeah. No, not everyone chooses that person to have that personal responsibility and ownership of like what you said, it's this thing, this thing or set of things happened. And what do you choose to do with it next? Mm. Where do you choose to go next? That's the personal responsibility. I wish each of us had imagine a world where people took responsibility for their healing. We're not there yet, but it's through having conversations like this and what you're doing with midlife moxie, right? That it brings, it opens more people's eyes too, that this can even be a conversation. This can even be a thought. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I, love I know for some women that's feeling, yeah, that's feeling really good. And for others, it's feeling really heavy yeah. because they it's don't know scary. what to do, but get ready. We're going to get into that because mm, it yeah. is sometimes much easier to sit back and blame other people and blame situations and blame your past. But guess what? Blaming other people does nothing to fix the problem, guys. So Mm -hmm. that's what I want to say about it. It doesn't necessarily matter how you got here. What matters now is what you're going to do next. And so many times we don't know our options or how to take the next step. And part of Midlife Moxie is locking arms. And that's why we bring on experts like you. We don't know every next step to take, Mm -hmm. but we're getting a little bit from each person. and creating this web that's a supportive structure for the women in our community. And so when you were laying in bed that night and you had that realization that Mm -hmm. I really don't want a divorce, I'm just, sometimes I think we're just wanting people to look at us and hear us and see that I am miserable. Yeah. I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. What happened then? Well, you know, I love my old ladies. Um, I had this vision of Jen at 80 who was either this bitter, old, resentful woman, lonely, what mm-hmm. have you, or was the vibrant person and that was loving life and still having adventures. And, you know, in that moment, it, it felt like I had this decision. Um, I continued down the path I am and become this bitter old woman that no one wants to be around, let alone myself, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or I dig in, I do the work, I figure out my stuff, and I become that vibrant, lively loving life, put, you know, having her own back, etc. And that's the path I chose. And so that's work that I do with, with my clients is start with that future, start with that desire in mind. Like, yes, the past is important, but you get to choose. And not that we have full control over our life, right? We still have all the outside influences, what have you, but you can do your darndest to get really specific about what it is you, you do want and why and and make you know take actions that move you closer to you know what I love about this Mm. we some of us are either we we're taught or we pick up along the way that we need to have goals in life but our goals are typically only till we're about 50 or 60 max you know we know what we're going to (laughs) do with our career how we're going to raise our children how we're going to invest our money But what's the goal? We don't have a goal for when we're 60, 70 and 80 sometimes, even if we retire early and buy the lake home and then what? So yeah, I love this starting with the the future. 
I love the park ranger who became a park ranger in her 80s and That's retired awesome. at 100. Like there That's are so amazing. many stories of older people doing amazing things. And that's what I want to do. And that's what I want for my clients and, and women listening in um, is there's so much opportunity and possibility in front of us. Don't, don't squash it down. Yeah. It's okay to have a reset at this stage of life and yeah. say, here's where I'm at. Here's what I want the next to be. And the next could be totally different or it could be a continuation. It doesn't have to be a complete upheaval, but it's stopping and saying, what do I want the next season to look like? Yeah. My mom retired as a postmaster and then became a pastor in her 60s. Nice. Like what? Nice. (laughs) That's That's amazing. Well, tell me, tell us this, Jen. If, you know, you have somebody coming to you, what is the, what is that first thing that you say to them or how do you get them to this place of looking at their 80 year old self? You know, I I mean, because Mm -hmm. to us being halfway, more than halfway there, right. It doesn't look, it doesn't look bad, but getting there, you're like, Oh crap. You get into your forties and then you start moving towards your fifties and you're like, what have I done with my life? And you're feeling all of these emotions. Well, and that idea of speaking up because some of us along the way, anytime we've spoken up, we've quickly been slapped back into our rightful place. You know, I don't mean necessarily literally, but you know, friends, family, people we work with have let us know that that was not okay to speak out mm-hmm, on our behalf, mm-hmm. you know, in their mind or that, you know, there was some kind of fallout. And right. so we learned not to speak out on our own behalf. Yep. Let me be clear to you. I just combined two words, clear here. Yeah. I saw that. Love it. Not to be, this is not about being a bitch. This is not about raising hell. This is not about going on a tear through your life of excommunicating people and killing others. This is just, this is a personal work. Mm-hmm. And when you stop blaming it, blaming everyone else, because if, if you get to that realization that the situation, the people, whatever you're blaming is never going to be the solution, that the solution mm-hmm. is in you. I, that's what I hear you really preaching, Jen. The solution Absolutely. is with, within us because mm-hmm. ultimately, even if the problem is another person, it's going to ultimately come down to how we deal with that other person and how. Right. What do we choose to do with mm-hmm. that? Right. Mm-hmm. So guys, the blame game is never going to solve your problem. No one else is coming to the rescue. And when we're blaming yeah. other people, sometimes that's what we're expecting. Someone else to come and solve our problems. It's not happening. There is no Calvary. There can be amazing people that roll into our lives that help us with the journey like you, like Christina, my friend, Martha. Oh, I'm not supposed to say her name as much because I said her name a whole lot, but I think that's a good saying her name on the show. Uh, we'll we'll go with that. She'll think that's a compliment. Martha, she Martha, is. Martha. <laughs> you know, Martha, she's Martha, an amaz- Martha. She is an amazing friend. I I, I mean, she's a she really, really good is. friend to you. Yeah. Yeah. She's rock solid. And yeah, she is. You know, those kind of people can help us flesh it out. Mm-hmm. Those people that yep. allow us to be our truest, most raw selves. But if you don't feel like you have those people in your life, that woman that's sitting out there listening to this who feels extremely lonely and isolated and that no one knows mm-hmm. the real her, 
So I felt that way. No one knows the real me. No one's cared to know the real me. They only want the excellent gal. They only want mm-hmm. the achieving gal. They haven't even taken the time to find out who I really am, and nor do they care because this is the version they want. What do you say to that woman is her first step? How does she even get on this track? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, what What comes up is um, it's knowing yourself inside and out, right? So it got it goes to that question, I don't even know who I am anymore. That's the first step is getting in touch with who is that person? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to be? Right. And that's through a lot of self-inquiry. And that can be done with a coach, with a therapist, or or yourself yourself. There's a ton of journal prompts out there. If you go to Pinterest, there's probably, you know, 300, 500,000 journal prompts you could find. Um, but doing that self-inquiry and becoming so certain in who you are as a person, that is going to give you that boost of worthiness, that boost of confidence, that boost of, you know, what have you. Um, that's, that's the exact thing I did that made me feel confident enough to go on Facebook and say, Hey, this is a face of loneliness. You would never know from that post that was like four or five years ago. Now from that one post, I met my group of four ride or dies. Mm. Like I met my group of, of girlfriends because I was so confident in who I was and that I was at a place where I did deserve friendship. I, I was able to go find it. Right. I could, I knew that I could show up and have my own back. They didn't, I didn't, I didn't have expectations that they had to like me or anything. I was so sure of myself because of the, the few years of work I had done by that point that I knew I was showing up and adding value. Hmm. Well, I want to say this too. I, I know we sometimes mourn the loss of the labels. Like we really enjoyed being the PTA president. Kill me. But mm-hmm. s- some people really found life in those kind of things. Here's what I want to say to you. Consider these the loss of these labels as a clearing. It's a clearing out of expectations and responsibilities that are actually going to allow you. That's kind of the beauty of midlife is like you said, that moment, that pause and the loss of some of these labels, as sad as they may be, because even though I'm happy to be an empty nester, I really am. We went to a movie a few weeks ago and it did make me a little bit sad that I wasn't at the movie seeing the latest Disney flick with my kids, buying them popcorn and, and really loving that experience. I think we'll always feel that way, but that doesn't mean that this isn't good and healthy. And if you could look at those labels as the fog clearing a little bit on the mirror, you know, you wipe away that condensation in the morning and really being able to look at you and see who you are and what you like. I mean, you were a swim mom because your child loves swimming. You may have loved swimming. You may not. What do you love? So what are some questions that, like, we always ask people mm. a lot, what did you dream about when you were a little girl? What did you want to be before life told you, you couldn't? So what are some yeah. questions you encourage your clients to yeah. ask each, ask themselves? Yeah. So my favorite inquiry is to start with the future self. Imagine you are 80 years old. How are you spending your days? Who are you spending it with? What makes you laugh like you did when you were a child, right? What still brings you wonder? And I know I'm rattling these off quickly. What still brings you wonder and delight? How do you get your senses fulfilled, right? Um, 
for me, I, I need to engage all of my senses almost all the time. And um, whether that's a special lotion or what have you, but envision, make that person so real in your mind that you start to be, make a relationship with her, right? Because that, that tells you a lot about what you value, who you value, what brings you to life. And, and you know, despite your creaky joints and achy back and all of that stuff, like what is still having you so engaged in life that you're like, yeah, I want to do this another, I don't know, 10 years. I love that. <laughs> 15 years. I love these I questions. Do. These questions are really, really powerful. Now, after your clients get to that point, yeah. Tell me, tell me, do they, do they name this person? Do you, do they yeah. utilize her? If so, how do they do that? What do they say to her? Yeah. Like, tell me all the yeah. things. All the all things. The I things. have all the things. Can you tell I get really excited yes. about oh, this? <laughs> and, and, and for our audience, I, I have to tell them, she has got an ear to ear smile, you guys, an ear to ear smile. Like, oh my gosh, thank you for asking me this. You know, she lived up. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for this question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I really love bringing this person to life, like I said, and because she is a part of us, right? If we can envision her, she's already a part of us. So I love creating a Pinterest board full of mm-hmm. images, phrases, colors, textures, you know, whatever again, invokes those senses and makes this person real. I do name her. Mine is named Etta. I actually have a quiz on my on my website. And you might be a Dorothy and Edna, a Gigi, or a Betty. And each of them have their own personas, right? But I like to think of, I still, even though it's been seven years, I still rely on my, my future self, my 80-year-old self. I call her my number one mentor. Mm. Like she's not going to lead me wrong, right? Because she yeah, wants to be talking to happy that. We've healthy. been talking to her yeah. about, uh, you've been talking to her about a, a person in the future, but knowing you personally, I know that you consult with her and you ask. Yes. It, tell us about that process. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yep. Nope. You know, if I'm feeling down, my I've trained my brain. Immediate question is, what would my 80-year-old self want? If I have a decision that's been hard to, is I'm finding hard to make, what, what advice does my 80 year old self have? Um, I've been, I wear a lot of black and, and neutrals and lately she's been telling me she wants color. And so I bought a pair of Doc Martin fuchsia shoes. Um, I'm yes. wearing a lot of yellow on top. Yeah. Coloring this up is, your, coloring up your makeup my, a little my bit. My 80 year old. Yeah. <laughs> I my makeup. love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but again, it's, you know, she's telling me she wants color. She's not sitting in her rocker wearing all black. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not what my 80 year old wants. Oh, so infusing more color in my life now. I have to feel like this isn't just some person you make up. I have to feel like this is just like that little girl inside you that this elderly woman is inside you. This is not a made up fictitious character. This is a part of your essence and who you are. And I love getting advice from her because when we can step Mm -hmm. outside of ourselves and give ourselves advice, it's a little more objective. Now it can't be completely objective. It's a, if it's a version of you, but saying, what would my 80-year-old self say to myself? Taking yourself out of that moment and out of that situation allows us to advise ourselves in a different way that is not, you know, surrounded by all the emotion or all the pain that, you know, we are feeling in that moment. I love that concept of just sitting there and saying, okay, 
what would I say to myself when I'm in a full, mature, healthy, happy space? Yeah. Mm. I think we can even do that with who we are now. If I was the person I want to be, what advice would I give myself? Rather than absolutely, we take advice from the worst versions of ourselves sometimes, don't y'all think? I mean, (laughs) yeah, there's Edna. Christina's up there taking the quiz right now. She's such a seven. I can't wait. There's FOMO. I must do it now. This is going to be fun. I'm going to do it. So true. I'm like, I've got to meet them all. I just, I feel like I'm Edna. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're Edna. I, I mean, here's the deal. Let me just, let me just Do you be clear. see that when people, sevens get people, excited, they get close to their microphone too? People, Do y'all hear uh, Stop it. People, people probably are like, girl, you need to be a GG, but I'm like, I'm an Edna all the way. Like just. Yeah. I, I am kind of a blend of all of them and you certainly can. It, you know, the, the quiz is meant to be fun. It's meant to get you thinking, Right. But what you get from that is a PDF that is full of these sorts of questions that I just rattled off and, and that's more all and free, activities guys. to really get in touch Jen with that. Yeah. and that'll be in the show notes as well. And of course, we'll mm-hmm. put it all the places. And you can you can find her on Instagram too. When we put up the show, you'll we will tag her, and you can find her that way. We're gonna we're gonna make sure you find our girl. But you know, I <laughs> love you. thinking about our future because. I always say, you know, when you're going on vacation, you've got to choose a destination. Otherwise, you can't choose a path there. You don't just start driving because then you go where the road goes, which is something I tell my children all the time. The road leads where the road leads. And if if you're on the wrong road, you're going to the wrong place. So when you know what that future destination is, you can start to make decisions that align with this projection Mm -hmm. for yourself and this goal for yourself and this this person who you're wanting to be. Christina is on that app over there. Look at her. She's out of hand. So (laughs) when you work with women and, you know, I love the idea of journaling. I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. I'm more (laughs) shock or you're going to find the shock. You're like, I don't like to write cards a lot, but I will look you dead in the eye and tell you how I feel about you. That is so easy (laughs) for me. But when I start writing on cards, my brain gets ahead of my handwriting and then I leave out words. I'm just not good at it. So you talk about journaling. I talk to myself. So that's kind of (laughs) similar. So is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Christina's having way too much fun over here. She's um, it's, over there. Okay, I, I am promoting. If you don't back away from that microphone, I'm going to, because our editing bill is going up by the second. Listen, y'all have to take this quiz because it's funnier than shit. That's all I have to say. I'm, it I'm, is funny. I'm sitting here and I'm like, the pictures, this is so great. Uh, I'm having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I love that you've yeah, made this fun, the question? I love Sorry. that too. So go ahead. Do we even know no, what the what question was? The was? Do we know what we're no. talking about? Have we totally lost control of the show today? I mean, we've lost what control. What the hell? Edna and Gigi and all are having a big time. Um, you know, say someone is not a journaler. What other oh, prompts yeah. have you yeah. got? Because me, I just freaking talk to myself sometimes. Is that bad? No, absolutely not. And I think even in the PDF that you get when you take the quiz, um, you can you can talk into you can talk to your phone using the voice recorder you can just talk out loud you can journal you can do a mind map it's whatever way works best for your brain to really bring this this side of you your 80 year old self to life 
right? And that's going to look different for everyone. Um, I actually, when I first started this, I started from the Pinterest board and kind of worked my way backwards because I'm a very visual person. And so I brought her to life through visuals. Mm. So Jen, I want to talk about this because I think this is significant for a lot of women. When you start to find out who you really were, when you start to become the woman you really want to be, how is Mm -hmm. that received by the people around you? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I would love to say that we're all surrounded by people that love and support us no matter what. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. And I think I'm going to go back to personal responsibility. What I want for each, each person, man, woman, what have you, is to feel so grounded in who you are as a person that even when you have the naysayers, again, you've got your own back right? Some people aren't going to like it. It's going to scare some people. You have to be okay with that, right? And we're going, if we work with me, and you can do this on your own too, but we're going to build skills. We're going to role play like what you might say so that in that moment, you can say to that person, you know, X, Y, and Z, that you feel confident setting boundaries, knowing that not everyone is going to respect your boundaries, agree with your boundaries, but you are so certain that this is what you need for you to be your best self, that you can represent that outwardly, right? For some people, that's going to happen much quicker. For others, it's going to take a long time. That's okay, right? And we also don't need to be, we don't ever need to be perfect at it. What I want people is to be continually working towards getting more and more comfortable, right? So don't listen in and think overnight, you're going to know how to do all these things. Absolutely not. You know, I'm 52. I have 52 years behind me of unlearning these Mm. things, right? And sometimes, you know, you might, you might set a boundary. And then when it comes to um, keeping that boundary, you're like, "Mm, you know what, that actually doesn't feel good. I actually kind of feel like an unintentional ass here, Mm. right? That's your cue that, okay, well, maybe your boundary was a little too harsh. Let's redo it, right? Well, I I love, too, that you are giving yourself grace in setting the boundaries. It's not just like, this is a hard, you know, boundary and this is not going to ever be changed or moved. You know, you're you're allowing some breathing room to say, hey, if it doesn't feel right, then you can adjust. This is not just like you have to do it this way. It's very fluid based on where you're at. Because sometimes too, as the boundaries are set and people start to respect them more, you can kind of set new boundaries with those people because you have a different relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I like to always question myself in, in these is, Am I being a good, kind person? And am am I showing up in integrity in how I define integrity? Because that's all I can do. I can only ever control myself and my reactions Mm -hmm. and what I say and and do, right? If I'm being a good, kind person, I can't control how they're receiving it. I can't control their experience of my boundary, right? That's their journey. They get to have that. (laughs) But by also doing this, I'm now modeling to others what this might look like for themselves, yeah. right? And the more people, again, that are able to to do this and to make the changes that they need, the more emotionally well people who are walking around in the world, the better the world is going to be. Yes. My work is 100. very focused on self, but the ripple impacts of the work I do with my clients, 
that's that's the real magic, right? Is when that ripples out. Absolutely. And now more and more. Absolutely. Yeah, I know you two get it. Absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I think too, when you, the healthier you get, you're able to lend a hand to others who are mm-hmm. getting healthy. Yes. And you become a little bit more of a stabilizing influence for them and helping them not to be so fearful because they've seen you do it. And yep. there are different personalities in the world. And there are some of us that are able to embrace things like this and run with it. And there's some of us that this is very frightening and very scary. Yes. And just know that you may give someone else the confidence who's watching you transform. Mm-hmm. And you might be the hand up that someone else needs or the stabilizing influence or just the the person they can look to and say, she did it. She got through it. Um, yeah. But it's okay if there's some shedding of the skin. You know, animals do it in nature. They shed hair, they shed skin, and they become new creatures. You know, butterflies blossom. There's nothing wrong with us as humans changing. And sometimes you've gotten really far down a road before you notice there needs to be change. And I think that sometimes can be a hard U-turn for a lot of people because you Mm -hmm. are going to have to leave some people and some things behind. But the bright future is so much worth that lonely stomp through the swamp of your life and through through the work that needs to be done. And how sad would it be to leave this planet and not have done the work? To live the fullest, like you say, F you life that's out Mm -hmm. there. And the people who truly love you and truly get you are going to be there. And you're going to attract more people who truly love you and who truly get you rather than carrying along all this baggage of things, people that may or may not be supportive or truly love you or support who you truly are. And so there has to be some pruning for that new growth. And that's okay, but it doesn't have to be ugly. It's okay to just say, you know, that's not right for this season for me. That person's not right for this season. And I think they'll be replaced by things and people that are. So, yeah, you want to crowd out by by introducing what you do want crowds out the stuff that you don't want. So tell us how, as you did your own work, I want to know a little bit more in our last few minutes together, what that looked like. And at what point the loneliness started to fade Mm, and mm -hmm. the acceptance and the joy began to take root? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been seven years. I'm still a work in progress. I will always be a work in progress. And that's okay. I know that I'm up for for the journey, right? I'm up for the challenge. Um, What it looked like for me was I was... I was so longing through my adult years. I was longing for a nurturing, not a mother figure, but that nurturing mama energy, right? Um, When I was feeling unworthy of of friendships, I wasn't getting that. And so I actually learned how to give that to myself. And I did that. I was was raising my daughter at the time. She's almost 18. Um, But I was the same things that she was needing from her mama, I was also needing, and so it was a hug to her was also me getting a hug back, me getting that nurturing energy back. Right. So I just, I, I mean, and I literally, I remember asking myself the question, like, if I had, a, if I had the mother I wanted, how would, how would, she, what would, what advice would she give to me? What loving would she give to me? Right. It looked like buying a weighted blanket um, to get that, that hug that I needed. It looked like going to an equine therapy retreat where I got the most tremendous healing from a horse that 
took me in and gave me the biggest hug I've ever had in my life. It looks like petting my Newfoundland's head. It's It was anything that kind of grounded my nervous system, right? That's what I was seeking out is how do I make myself feel grounded is the word. I don't know if that's the right word, but that I am a human being. I am worthy of love, even if I'm the only one giving it to myself. Now, my husband and daughter and my kids were giving it to me, but that that's the place I had to get to. You know, that's so interesting is learning what you need. Yes. Learning to give it to yourself. But also when you truly know what you need, you are able to ask others for it. And sometimes, you know, especially when we start talking about people's love languages, when you go to your spouse, instead of critiquing all that they're not, and you speak in the language of this is what I need, could Mm -hmm. you possibly find a way to give me this? Then if they love you, they're going to be willing to figure that out. It's when we attack them and say all the things they're not, that they become defensive. But if I go to my husband, like if my husband came to me and said, I really need this dish baked, I would figure out how to bake that dish, even though I'm not yeah. good at it, it's not my nature. So when we're able to tell people clearly what we need, friends, family, spouses, mm-hmm. it it's such a better way to communicate rather than mm-hmm. screaming at them about what we don't get. And it motivates them to want to give us that. Right. Well, you, you're not setting them up for failure, right? 100%. By not saying what you need, it's a surefire to set someone up for failure. And that is completely un- unfair. Absolutely. Right. You're actually doing harm to that person Absolutely. by not articulating what you need. The flip side is, is not expecting, you know, going in without an expectation that they're going to be able to meet that need. They may or may not be able to, doesn't mean they love us less. They just might not be equipped, resourced to meet that need either. And the ownership, the responsibility comes back on you of how do I get this? I've identified the need. How do I get it met? It doesn't mean this person doesn't love me, doesn't support me. But also me. meeting it in healthy, appropriate ways. Right. Absolutely. Well, not yeah. value. You know, I used not... to tell my husband, like, <laughs> I just, I want the, I need the hug of a parent. I don't need the hug of my husband. I need the hug of my dad who, who was, you know, didn't give that to me because I, being raised the way I was, I still had needs, unmet mm-hmm. needs from when I was a child. That is so key, Jen, because. Our parents aren't perfect people either. And they came with their own baggage and they knew how to love in their own ways. And some of us, it sounds like you're like me and that you're a touchy person. Like I I enjoy my husband just taking my hand or rubbing my shoulder or my hair. And there's, uh, that's a sensory thing. And so you found Mm -hmm. other ways to answer that sensory need that were healthy and appropriate. And then that takes some of the pressure off your husband to be trying to give you all these things. So exactly knowing who you are includes knowing what you need. And like, I know that I need good conversation. God bless. If that was left only on my husband, he would probably drill his ears (laughs) out of his head because he could not take the amount of conversation I like to have, but I've surrounded myself with other conversationalists. So And I've also found listening to podcasts and listening to Audible scratches some of that itch because I'm thinking in my brain Mm -hmm. back to the podcast or back to the Audible that it's just that audio part 
kind of stimulates that conversive part in me um, mm -hmm. and, and scratches that itch a little bit. Of course, it makes me want to talk about it more sometimes, but <laughs> I love this idea of nurturing yourself. Like if you like yeah. new experiences and you don't have someone that shares that with you, then you have to just go do the new experiences on your own or find exactly. a friend to do those. If what you need is um, mental challenge, like I love mental challenges. So I play a lot of online games that are word games mm -hmm. and Wordle and Upwards and all those things. So I love that knowing yourself allows you yeah. to then appease yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it sounds so simple and it's so hard to do. I don't want to minimize how hard it is, but it, it is something that you can do. Um, there's lots of resources out there. Gail and Christina are a resource. I'm a resource. Pinterest is a resource. There's a lot out there. I think the, the thing I want people to take away is if you're listening in and thinking, oh, this might not work for me, I want you to hold possibility that it might and get curious yeah. about what could that look like for me, Yeah. right? Don't just give up of like, oh, I'm too old. You're not too old. It's not too late. And, and you do kind of need to get what going. You want. Like <laughs> it, we say all the time, and this is how Christine and I became friends. Ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. She reached out and asked to be my friend. And I was so happy that someone was actually doing what I was preaching about. We became mm -hmm. instant friends based on that one thing. And then some people say, well, no one invites me anywhere. Are you inviting other people mm -hmm. anywhere? Are you exactly. the one that gets up and plans the girls trip or a trip to the movies or a dinner out? You be the instigator and quit waiting for other people to fulfill your yeah. needs. That's right. Go and exactly. find the fulfillment, you know, and if you're like you and you need a really tactile experience, probably don't get a Doberman Pinscher, probably get a cuddle dog like a <laughs> Ranger Scott. I mean, he's the most cuddly and he does. You're so right. He does. You know, my children are grown and I find myself treating Ranger a lot like that. And I know people make fun of people for doing this, but he feels a lot of that same need. He needs me. Yeah. Uh -huh. He likes me giving him treats and he likes me petting him just like, you know, things my kids did. And so yeah. I think there's so much truth to what you just said to that, the simplicity of that. Mm -hmm. Almost you know, self-soothing. Yeah, yeah, self -soothing. Self -soothing. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ideally, we'd have villages of people around us that we all pitch in to care for each yes. other, right? Ideally, we would. We're at a place in our society, in our world where we don't have that. But people that do this work, you can start the village, right? Um, if that's what you that. want to do. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we're at this point where we are so individualized, but it starts with you. It really you. is. Mm. Because yeah. even, it's even biblical that, yes. that, that we're yeah. to form those kind of communities. Absolutely. But we, got a little, we got a little off course with that, I believe. Yeah. Um, we got to swing the pendulum. Yes. We got yes, a little off do. course about what community really looks like. And exactly. Well, this we is, tend to shun people from community rather than build them up within our community. And yeah. that's yeah. unfortunate. And we tend to... You know, the girl that is lonely and the girl that retreats, I'm a big fan of go bring her out of her cave. Yeah, mm -hmm. Reach in and, and tell her she's seen and that she's important. Now, yeah. does that mean you have to fix her problems? Absolutely not. Right. No. Sometimes right. somebody just needs to be missed or seen yeah. or heard. They need to say it out loud. There's so many ways that we can be an ally to someone who is fighting their battle. Yeah. We don't fight their battles for them, but we can certainly hold their sword while they tie yeah. their shoe, you know? You know, and even going back to grade school, I was that person that would take others under my wing, mm -hmm. bring them into the fold, right? That's who I've always been. I needed that person for myself. And so many years I battled 
well, that person isn't there for me. And it's like, no, I, I get to be there for me. And that was a game changer. It was an absolute game changer when I put it back on myself yeah. and said, well, if no one else is going to do this for me, how do I do it for myself? That's right. Figure it out. That's right. You know, and yeah. I think that that takes a lot of time and work and, you know, just the, the um, deconstructing yep. of, of the thought process that you've had for so many years. And then you have to turn back and you have to look at yourself and you have to just be willing to um, adjust yourself so that you can show up for others. So I think that's really awesome um, yeah. that, that we can do that if we truly want that to be, if you want it, you know, the new yeah. story is, and, and I like to say that you have created a new story, you know, you have created a new yeah. story through finding out who is your 80 year old self. Well, what does 80 year old yeah. self say about the story that I'm telling myself today? She's probably telling exactly. me, what the f are you talking about, girl? Like, yeah. you know, Saturday night, my daughter and I were oil and water, and a side of me that I thought I had long since healed, mm. that side of me came out. And it, I, I was not proud of how I showed up in that whatsoever. Mm. Not proud at all. So I'm not perfect. Again, I said, this is all, this is my journey, right? Um, but what I did is I apologized. That's right. You know, it's, I took ownership that I had shown up in what was not an okay way. Mm. Um, I love that. And we moved on. Because sometimes yeah. you're, you're not going to be perfect. Exactly. Right. Learning to recognize and learning to reconcile. Those things are so important. <laughs> Another way I think you can look at this is, is the language you're using with yourself, is the advice you're giving yourself, what you would give to your own daughter. Because you would never yeah. tell your own daughter, hey, be happy with your whole home life. Just keep mm -hmm. rocking that boat, even though you're miserable. Just keep, yeah. you know, keep on keeping on. We would never tell our daughters that. We would right. coach them to think about what they want to do and what truly makes their heart sing and what makes them happy. And I know you were talking about uh, back a few minutes ago, you really hit a hit a chord with me when you were talking about engaging your senses and that wonder and delight of childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, here we are, I'm in my fifties, my husband's in his sixties and we are going down the street of Atlanta in evening wear, like cocktail apparel on scooters. And it, it was just, <laughs> I, I, love, I love riding those scooters around. I feel like a child again, when I get on those yeah. little scooters yes. with the wind in my ear, you know, I just crank up my bird and go now granted my husband, it was his first time he almost ran over me and I whacked my ankle oh. good, but you know, I had on high heels and a skirt and riding a scooter downtown that it was just, you know, do oh, things love that it. make you laugh and make you just yes. laugh with you know, with no caution, no restrictions of who you think yeah. you should be, be your truest, realest self. And yeah. think when you start saying those negative things, is this what I would say to my daughter? And is this what I would want for my daughter? Because, you know, guys, mm. the lives we're living out are being witnessed by our children. Mm -hmm. So if you're a woman who just says, I can't quite do it for me yet, maybe you can say, I'm going to do better so that there's an example set for my own children. Right. That midlife is not where it ends. It's where a lot of things begin, especially for a generation like us who we did marry a little yep. earlier than kids are now. So Jen, just in closing, tell us a, just a snapshot. What does your life look like now versus what it looked like when this process began? Mm, I love this question. And the answer is going to be maybe a little surprising is nothing changed and everything changed. 
nothing changed externally. I had the same career, the same children, the same house, the same dogs, the same husband, nothing changed externally. Everything changed internally. And by doing that, it's like, I finally woke up, right? I found contentment in my life. I found that fulfillment. Um, I have my own back. Um, And so, you know, oftentimes we think that we have to go through these big sweeping changes. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to, you can, if you want to, but you don't have to, right? No, outside looking in, you would, you wouldn't think my life changed at all, but literally everything changed. That's so beautiful. So it's not like you left your husband, moved to New York and, you know, changed your hair color. I didn't eat Pray Love or Thelma and Louise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I, I really did, but my heart, it's, that was my ego talking. My heart was like, no, this is actually your person. But you know, it's um, the need everyday to do the work little to make changes. Work. It's your attitude towards something. It's your reaching out to a friend. Yeah. It's your reading a book. It's your journaling. It's your doing something you yeah. enjoy. That's the real difference versus doing something yeah. radical in life that can cause your life to crash right. and really harm if yourself I'm feeling lonely, and others. I said, oh, sorry. If I'm, I'm feeling lonely, that's my, that's my trigger to a reminder to go text a friend that I haven't talked to in a while. Right. Um, I didn't used to have people to do that with. Now I do. And yeah. so that's a part of my my cycle. My thinking is, oh, if I'm feeling a certain way, it's trying to tell me something. Here's what I go do. It's almost this playbook that I've created for my life of if this happens, then do this and you'll feel better. <laughs> it's adjustments. It's not a complete yeah. upheaval. It's an yeah, adjustment. Micro adjustments. Adjustment of your mindset and adjustment of your response to your emotions and your feelings. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jen, this yeah. has been so good. You've got to so come back. It's been so fun. Oh my gosh. I when we're it. in person, I cannot wait to have you lead a session when we yes. get our first in-person MoxyCon is going to be the new name for the in-person. We're going to go MoxyCon. by that? Oh, That's Lord. Amazing. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Christina that idea. I got to tell you about it. Um, <laughs> so Jen, jenvertnan.com. That's J-E-N, one N, V-E-R-T-A-N-E-N.com. You'll get our free test and lots of other uh, free PDFs and materials that you can use to start and continue your own journey to fulfillment from having a just so, so humdrum, maybe even miserable life to a heck yeah, life fulfilled. So Jen, thank you so much for being with us today. We just adore you and can't wait to be with you in person sooner rather than later. We hope. Christina, what do we always say? Until next time, go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now.